Welcome to the Sober Leadership Podcast. My name is Matt Adams. I am your host, and I am an addict. I don't say this is a celebration, as I've said before, but it's a fact. It's forever a part of me. It's part of my life, part of my story. But I don't choose to let it define me. I choose not to let the word addict be the word that, that people will use to sum me up when my time is over here. And I trust your desires for the same thing and for your loved ones as well. This is a special, special episode. This is episode number seven, 15 years of sobriety. And these are my thoughts. Glad you're here. Let's get started. So 15 years of sobriety. It is no small feat. And I understand that. I see the full weight of what that means. Uh, it has not been easy. It has been a struggle at times. Uh, very difficult. Not because I wanted to go back to the lifestyle, but just because at a certain point you were, uh, for, for speaking for myself, I was using to numb myself to life uh, and somehow thinking that, well, if I just take enough, if I drink enough, if I smoke enough, if I pop enough pills, if I do certain activities enough, then I'll numb myself to where I can actually look at myself and, and stop you know, thinking about how much I hate myself for what I'm doing to myself. Uh, so many things in there, so much to unpack as just far as the just what's going on in my head through those times. But when you take all that away, you are left with living life without a substance. You're left with living life in its full form. There's no filtering. There's no diluting it. It is life and it is coming at you 100 miles an hour and it is full strength. What do you do with that? <laughs> when you put away something you've been putting into your body for so long to numb you to life, how do you live after that? Well, let me tell you, it's it's not without a lot of work. It's not without a lot of commitment. It's not without a lot of discipline, a lot of struggles, a lot of missteps along the way, of, of and, and a lot of self-discovery. I tell you, there's been a ton of self-discovery, and that has not stopped. That's something that continues. And so here's some things that, that have, that have uh, when I look back on 15 years, these are some things that, I, that really uh, come to mind for me. The first thing I have to talk about is verses that have helped me. Coming out of a lifestyle where I was slowly, well, or quickly, killing myself with what I was doing. When I turned away from that and committed myself to serving the Lord and, and doing it with fully committed, there was a verse that really stuck out, stuck out to me and stuck with me. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. This has been a major verse for me and just one that I've come back to so many times in these last 15 years. Uh, sp specifically, 
lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race set before us. Jesus is, is the example of that. He didn't let the things of this life hold him back from doing what he needed to do. And when I look at my life of coming out of addiction and living a, a new life, there was a lot there that I had to cast aside. I had to lay aside so that I could run with endurance the race set before me. My future was ahead of me. I had to unhook myself from the things that I had burdened myself down with through my addictions. And that was not a, you know, I, I walk out of Tampa jail and like the next day it's like, okay, well, I released all that. I'm good. No, that, this has been a continual process because the more that I have learned, the more that I've continued to go forward and gotten better in certain ways, I've, I've maybe fallen back in other ways. And there's, there's just an ebb and flow of life and just of our spiritual journey. And so there's been a lot of things that I've had to reevaluate for myself. Even recently, I've had to reevaluate, you know, is this, is this really what I need to be doing? Am I doing it properly? Am I doing it with the right motives? Am I doing it with the right attitude? Am I saying the right things and doing them the, with the right motivation? So many things in there. And so this process of spiritual growth is nothing different. For us, as we as we look at coming out of addictions, you're doing a similar thing. When you're coming out of an addiction, you're putting away a lifestyle, and you're taking on a new one. When you become a Christian, and when you are committing yourself to serving God, you're putting away a lifestyle, and you're committing to living a new one. And so, those are very um, just parallel paths of this is what you do, and this is how you do it. And if you're trying to recover from your addictions and you're not looking to Jesus, uh, let's talk about that. I'd love to talk to you with you about that. Um, email me, matt at soberleadership.com, matt with two T's at soberleadership.com. I would love to talk to anybody who's listening that has any questions or, or would like to discuss any of these things that I'm talking about because we may not see eye to eye on when it comes to scripture. There may be, may be some questions you have, maybe some disagreements you have, regardless of whatever it is. I would love to talk to you and talk with you about this. And let's just see what God's Word has to say and be open to that. Because I know for me it has helped me tremendously. Uh, and without it, i got to tell you, I don't know if I could have gotten to where I am today without my faith. Uh, and there's another verse uh, in, in relation to this. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27. Paul says there, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, disciplined in all things. Now they do it, talking about the athletes, they do this to obtain a perishable crown, but we, as servants of Christ, do it with, for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, the part that really sticks out here with me in, in this past these last 15 years is I don't run with uncertainty. 
I am charging forward and I have a goal in mind. It is sobriety and I am going to charge forward with that. I fight, not as one who beats the year. I'm not somebody out there just taking, swinging and a miss, swinging and a miss. You're going to have those, but I'm fighting with a purpose. And whether we're talking about the spiritual life, we're talking about sobriety. It's the same spirit. You charge forward. You get away from that lifestyle you were living. You put it away. You live a new life. You, and you do it not with uncertainty. You are committed 100%. And you fight with everything you have to keep it, to retain it. And you don't let anything get in the way of that. And this is true of the Christian life. It's true of the sober life. And I would, I would love to uh, discuss that more, but we may do that in future episodes of the parallels. But you know, something else that that has helped me through this time has been music, and and I, I am very much affected by music, and uh, so much so it's gotten to the point here lately that I realized that there are some kinds of music that I can listen to in the mornings, and there's some that I can't. Uh, because in the mornings is my very heavy brain pro processing time. And when I have certain types of music playing, it interrupts that process. In the afternoons, that is more creative time for me. And there's other music that I can play that is not distracting at all. And it's fantastic for my creative process. And so there's just uh, things that I've learned over this time. But I've listened to Lots of rock, metal, country, classical, jazz, R&B. Uh, I don't even know the genre. Sinatra. <laughs> you know, some, some of these other uh, older, older singers. All genres to some degree. Uh, except for anything that glorified the lifestyle or activities that I was once involved in. I didn't want to even entertain that music. Music that I, that I listened to when I was using didn't even want to play that again. I didn't want to bring up those memories. I didn't want to bring up those thoughts. And so I just put that music away. And there's a lot of music that I came across, just a ton of it, that has been good for me to listen to and has really, really helped my mindset. Uh, there's been others that I've come across that I've listened to over this time that has not been helpful. And, and so when you hear those things, music affects us all in different ways. Uh, and we need to be careful with what we're listening to. But with me, uh, it's, it's always something that I, I do use it uh, now a lot more wisely than I did before. And, but through this time, it has been extremely helpful. Uh, songs like uh, That's Why I'm Here, Kenny Chesney, talking about sobriety. And you, there's been a lot of artists within these last 15 years that have come forward and said, I, I'm you know, I put the drugs away, I put the alcohol away, and and then their whole creative process, it's different music, and it's fantastic. So much better, in my opinion, than a lot of the stuff they've they've written before, and I just, I love it. When I hear of an artist doing that, I go listen to their music, and I, I want to support what they're doing, and uh, assuming that it's clean music and that sort of thing, but I want to support that, and that has what I've that is what something I've been doing and continue to do. And so music plays a big role. On that note, uh, 
hymns. Uh, and there are two particular ones that have held a, a very special place for me. Uh, the first one is, This World is Not My Home. Uh, just go look at the, the words of that song, This World is Not My Home. It is such a beautiful song, a song that I've taught my kids, and one that they sing with, with spirit, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. But when you, when you look at the song, uh, it is really, it really gets to the heart of what I'm doing. What, what, what am I doing and why am I doing it? This world's not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Addicts, is there any more descriptive language about how we feel? I can't feel at home in this world anymore. What have we been doing? We've been numbing ourselves to life. And when I've, you know, when, I, when I've, sing, I've sung the song in the past, you know, it brings tears to my eyes because I think about these words. I think about my life and how far I've come away from where, what I used to be and now where I am. And every, every day, was, it's another step further from that life from that person I was. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful, comforting song. Not so comforting when you're not living it, but very comforting when you are staying on the path, when you're taking that next right step. And at, uh, I'll talk more about relationships and things like that in just a little bit, but there's another line in the chorus here. Oh Lord, you know, I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The recovery process can be heart-wrenching. It can be extremely isolated, extremely, and we become extremely vulnerable and lonely, very lonely. Uh, and that's has nothing to do necessarily with the number of people around you. It's everything to do with how we view our situation and just the the reality of where we are. You, you used to go out with with friends or you know drinking buddies or whatever it might be and go party, and now you've left that life and now there's nobody calling. You, the people that you used to go out with, you're not going out with them anymore. So now what? The things you used to do for quote fun. You don't do that anymore. You're having to learn a whole new way of living. And it can get tough. It can be isolated, but you know, not for a moment did I look back and say, oh, I wish I could go out with these people. No, absolutely not. I was glad I wasn't out with them. But, you know, it still doesn't take away from the fact that it's lonely and it can get tough. And it does get tough. But when you think about, oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. That's comforting to know that even if, even if I have nobody in this life, God's there, my creator's there. And, you know, you may have people in your life that are there. They may not really care much about you. And that's reality of whether we're, we're getting sober or not. That's a reality of life. You may have people in your life that they really don't care at all about you, but we never have that concern with God. God 100% cares about us.
and he cares what happens to us. He he knows us inside and out. He even knows the, the very numbers of hair on our head. And he knows everything about us. And he's still into relationship with us. Think about that. Still want a relationship with us. Can you say that for people in this world? I can't. There's a lot of people that I've let down. A lot of people that let me down. Can I ever say that about God? God's never let me down. I've let him down plenty, but he welcomed me back, and that's why I'm here today. And so when uh, when I think about this song, it is one that holds a very special place for me. And then there's another song, Be With Me, Lord. And now this one, this one truly brings tears to my eyes when I, when I sing it, when I talk about it, when I think about it. Uh, this, and I'll tell you why. When I was sitting in Tampa jail, after that second DUI in, in June of 06, I didn't know what was going to happen next. I had no idea if I was staying there, if I was getting out, if I was going to be on the streets because my family would say, we're done, that, that you know, you did it once, and you now here you are, you did it again, and we're just done. I didn't know if that was coming. I didn't know if the people that I had been deceiving all this time and lying to them, what they would think, what they would say, I, I had no clue. Um, I didn't know about, you know, you, you think about jail and you just think about all the things that run through your mind. I didn't know if some very unsavory characters were going to be in there and, you know, do something awful with me. I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, so there was a song that kept coming to my mind, Be With Me, Lord. And the tragic thing was I couldn't remember all the words. I, for the life of me, I could not remember all the words. But I sang to myself in my head what I could. And I kept repeating it over and over and over. And I'll, I'll uh, see if I can get through this, but I'll read, read the, uh, the lyrics of the song. Be with me, Lord, I cannot live without thee. I dare not try to take one step alone. I cannot bear the loads of life unaided. I need thy strength to lean myself upon. Be with me, Lord, and then if dangers threaten, if storms of trial burst above my head, if lashing seas leap everywhere about me, they cannot harm or make my heart afraid. Be with me, Lord. No other gift or blessing thou couldst bestow could with this one compare. A constant sense of thy abiding presence, where'er I am, to feel that thou art near. Be with me, Lord, when loneliness o'ertakes me, when I must weep amid the fires of pain, and when shall come the hour of my departure, where worlds unknown, O Lord, be with me then. The context of where I was when I was trying to remember this song and the fact that I got out of there, that I got out of that life, and that I was permitted to return to God and be restored and be reunited with Him again, that He allowed me time and I never forgot the words of this song ever again. Uh, in fact, uh, after I had gotten back uh, on my feet a little bit, 
one of the first things I did was I, I don't remember if I took a screenshot or, or what, what it was, but I got the, the song itself and I scaled it down to a pocket size. I laminated it and it was with me in my pocket everywhere I went. I don't remember how many years I had that in my pocket, but uh, it was quite a while. And I would take it out and just read it and think about it, memorize it, uh, and just keep going over these words. Think of all the applications to my life, and it's been it's been a blessing to me. Uh, and and I'm I've been very fortunate, and very thankful that I've had these songs in my head, uh, these songs in my life that draw me back to thinking about how blessed I am to be away from the life I was in and to be now living a life that I can be proud of, a life that has lived in the light where I don't have to hide anything. And I'm not trying to cover for anybody or cover up anything. My life is lived out in the open. I live my life in the light. And if somebody wants to bring something up, okay. I have nothing to hide. I couldn't say that for nearly 10 years. I always had something to hide. I don't now. And I love that. It is such relief, such a burden lifted off of me. And for 15 years, this has been the case. And, and for many of you that you haven't known my history for quite some time, and I wasn't as vocal uh, and the, the fact of the matter is I wasn't in a place to open up to this degree that I have now uh, in a lot of ways because I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to handle it, that I wouldn't be able to get these thoughts out and do it effectively because I wanted to make sure I, I was in a safe place before I started sharing these things because when you do, it opens up a lot and uh, opens old wounds and those sort of things and I just had to get to a mental space where I was able to do it and so that's why this is happening in the 15th year of my sobriety and I'm proud to say that it has been a, quite a journey but it's been one that with a lot of help and a lot of support and most of all with God's blessing I've been able to get to this point. But it's not been without its ups and downs. So let's talk about this. Relationships. I made the decision when I was uh, getting sober. and started in, in 2006. June 26, 2006. I decided coming out of that that I was not going to get into a relationship. Uh, I was not going to try and find somebody to date. I wasn't even going to entertain the thought. Uh, and that went that way for nearly, uh, say at least two years, at least, uh, where I was just getting things. I was, I was working on me. Uh, and if you are single and you are trying to get sober, I would advise this. I strongly would advise this. If you are married, you have a long list of responsibilities that you need to uphold. And so that has its own challenges. Don't walk away. Now, stick in, do your do the work you need to do, work on you, uh, but do it because you want to do it and because you need to do it. 
not because somebody's forcing you, not because of uh, anything like that, but because you know this is what you need to do. Uh, and enlist the help of those that, that, that love you so much. And utilize that. Uh, not to use them, but to be in partnership with them uh, and, and do this for the right reasons. But relationships, ups and downs, oh, there's so many ups and downs. And I'm single. Um, uh, had just gotten into my career and, you know, good, good situation, but absolutely not interested in, in any relationships. So then I slowly started opening myself up. Uh, it, during, during this time, I have to explain this, during this time of sobriety coming out of such a polluted lifestyle, I was behind I guess you could say, I guess that's the best way to say it, uh, behind when it came to emotions. Uh, there were so many things happening, so many things going on that I had to, I had to wrestle with a lot of emotion. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to express it. There were just things that were just, I was angry <laughs> and, and just, there's just a lot of things going on and a lot of anger and just confusion and all kinds of stuff going on. And so there was that I was trying to work out. So I finally got to a point where, you know, I, all right, I think I'm ready. And so I guess it was around 2008, I started getting back out there and, and, uh, and dating. And of course I got, I was serious about it. You know, I wasn't going to be trying to, to use any of the girls I was going out with or uh, engage in anything that would be uh, improper or anything like that. Whole different view or I guess a whole different uh perspective like on uh, on my dating lifestyle that, that had changed drastically from what it was and so the, the the girls that I got involved very wonderful upstanding good Christian girls uh, but you know the, the relationships for for various reasons didn't work out you know of course I I had in my mind well each one well I mean you know this could be love this could be the one and then it just it, it would fizzle the, the relationship ended, and of course, you know, it just kicked you in the gut, and like, what just happened? Uh, and that was uh, probably three times, and each time it was it was quite a it took quite a quite a toll. And those relationships were were very good while they were going, but very difficult to deal with after the fact, and when when there's so many things going on in our minds as addicts we're trying to get better we're trying to you know live life uh, there's just so many things going through our heads and going through our minds and that's one of them you know relationships are tough uh, i had uh, so many things happening all at the same time and you just you just don't know and there were people that there uh, you know, girls i was interested in that was not reciprocated uh and so you know that's that's a, that's a gut punch too and so those things happen but it wasn't until uh 2012 so there's a lot of stuff that happened but um around about 2012 um so many things going on but i decided you know what i'm just i'm just done with the dating stuff i'm I'm going to just live my life. Uh, I'm going to enjoy being single in the right way. 
but I'm going to enjoy my time. And so that was, uh, it was at that point that I found my wife and I'll talk about more about that in just a little bit, but yeah, you, you deal with hardships while you're going through recovery. Uh, and in 15 years, I've had a lot of different hardships, a lot of different struggles, uh, just heart-wrenching things that have happened uh, in in my life and the life of others. Uh, and so dealing with those, as I mentioned before, struggles and loneliness, uh, it's a lonely road sometimes. And when you're trying to get better, um, you know, there's things that you're keeping to yourself sometimes. Uh, there's emotions that you're just wrestling with. You don't know what to do with them. And it just makes you feel more and more lonely. Uh, the rejections feel a hundred times worse. And it's it gets uh, very, very difficult to deal with these, these emotions. They come, sometimes turn into a lot of anger, a lot of dark emotions. And there are various ways of dealing with that. Uh, I had gotten back into caring for myself as far as uh, just physically and doing exercise a lot more. And so that was, a, that was an outlet. Uh, and so there's, there's various outlets, things that are productive for us to do that don't lead us down the path of getting back into something we, we tried so hard to get away from. Uh, but we've got to find those things. We've got to find the things that are an outlet for us. Uh, now, 15 years later, my outlets are reading, fiction, I love love fiction books, and it's a it's a nice outlet. Drawing, I picked up drawing again, doing art, and you know something like wood burning, and those are some things that that for me, the repetitive nature is it's cathartic, uh, it's the the aspect of where I really don't have to think about it much. I just create and I just do. And it is, it is extremely relaxing. Uh, but you got to find those outlets. I, I tell you, that's something that has been a struggle for me through this time. Because for me, I don't think I'm alone in this. When I left the lifestyle I was living, there were certain things that became a stand-in addiction. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. A stand-in addiction was things such as politics, uh, extremism in those politics. And that's where I was when I came out of this. And I tell you what, it was not good for me. Uh, and for those of you who are not addicts and you have those in your life that you're trying to help or that you are uh, trying to understand better, understand that they are at a vulnerable point. And pulling in politics, especially as as heated as it can get in, uh, with us, it seems like it's everywhere. Uh, it's not. It's not everywhere. But it's on the news. And if you stay tuned to the news much, you're going to hear it ad nauseum. Um, and sometimes we don't even think about that. Sometimes we don't think about what that does to other people. And if it's, if it's the topic of our conversation, every conversation, that gets old. And if there's somebody that is, you know, particularly prone to that high of 
hey, I found a new thing. I found a new um, you know, link here and, and these conspiracy theories that happen and people just kind of, they get, they get taken away with them. I was, I was there to a certain extent. And it becomes where, I mean, it, there's so many things you can chase. And uh, that becomes a hardship in itself because it just consumes your mind. So I would advise those of, uh, who are addicts, be careful. Be careful what you spend your time on. And for those who are not addicts, be careful what you talk about and how you talk about things. It does matter. And the way we deal with things, the way we communicate to one another, uh, I've said it before, but let's be kind. We don't know what people are dealing with. Let's be kind. And let's, let's give each other room and uh, not be caught up in all the nonsense that goes on. Let's not do that. Because it is that kind of stress, that kind of tension, that kind of turmoil that can be a trigger for somebody to go back into a lifestyle they have tried so hard to get away from. And when it's happening among your friends, and listen now, when it happens among your brethren in churches, that is a volatile mix. I want to stress that. It is a volatile mix. And when you don't know what somebody's going through, maybe they're trying to recover from addictions, maybe they're considering picking that back up because if this is what happens among God's people, why did I ever leave the world? At least, at least I had something to numb me when these conversations came up. Do you see the thought process? These things can become triggers. I realized it with myself. And uh, I realized it years down the line when I look back. It's like, that was dangerous for me. I, I got way too caught up in this. And now I backed off of it. And I tell you, my life is so much smoother than, than it was. Um, but that's a, another conversation for another time. I had struggles in my career decisions through these 15 years. There are so many things that happened. Um, good things, really good things, but also just, you know, any career as you're in, you're going to have up and ups and downs. And, and I had, I had a, a number of those. Um, and you know, this last year I deciding to, to resign my role. Uh, that was not a light choice, but it was time to, to move on and, and pursue something else. And I was, I was very, very much, um, stressing over that a lot. And that led to its own problems because of the stress that I had put on myself about these things. Uh, it, it wasn't going back into the addictions, but it was getting into a, a, the mindset of those of thinking well you know this is just everything's just tough you know I, I need to I need to take something and then you know it was when that thought popped in my head I talked with my wife and I said you know this is a danger zone here because I can't allow myself to get back into this thought process and if I'm doing that now with something as simple as this then it's not too far of a leap to jump back into something else so we identified that and 
identifying that and keeping it in front of us uh, was something that was helpful. Just to be aware that the stress is leading to these pathways and we're not, I don't want to go down these roads. And so that was something we very much kept in front of us. But it also led me, you know, that stress, uh, I've mentioned it already, but that, that stress led me down a dark path of, of, of suicidal ideation. And, uh, you know, that's a place where you, you never think you'd be. And I, was, I hadn't been in that position since I was heavy in my drinking and, and, and usage many years, many, many years ago. And it popped back up last year, and it's like, what is happening? What is going on? So I'm, I'm saying all of this to say, in the last 15 years, just because you make it to a certain number does not mean that you've made it there without any struggles or without any trials or that it's been easy by any measure because after you've gotten sober and you've retained that for a certain number of years, your troubles don't stop. Uh, you have now turned a, turned it over a new leaf and you're living a different life, but with that life comes even more trials, even more struggles, even more hardships. And so you gotta, you gotta be ready for that and, and just have the people in your life that are helpful to you to keep you on the right path and it, there's there's a lot of other things that happened the over these last 15 years you know family turmoil not going to get into all the details of that but just a lot of things that happens within families in general and struggles that we have and people go down different paths and you know you just you sit back and it's like well why why are you doing that and then they may look at you and say, well, why are you doing that? And there's, there's just a lot of things that happen within families and those could be triggers. There all these things that I've mentioned, uh, with, as far as hardships, they can all be triggers. And so we've got to be careful with them, but we also need to realize that we can't just stop living life. We have to keep going and, and deal with the situations in the best way at that time that we can and take an approach to life that gives people the benefit of the doubt, but also stands firm on the things that we need to stand firm on. And, you know, something else during this time is, is friendships. You know, I've had friendships lost during this time and, uh, it, it, that can, that can be disheartening too. And, uh, some dear friends, you know, and, and we've, we've lost touch. We, uh, you know, don't, don't talk anymore. And that's a sad thing because those relationships were good, but they've been lost. And the, the irony here is they weren't lost because of my addictions and other situations in life. You, know, you grow apart, something comes up and it's just, you know, you go through battles with people and you come out on the other side and it's just not the same. And so there's been, there's been a lot of those that have happened struggles in churches and you know those those struggles can be particularly difficult because you 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 look at those situations and you say well you know we're we're god's family so we shouldn't have any troubles right <laughs> but we know better right we know better uh, we're going to have we're going to have problems and that's not always going to have the the best outcome and it may be because 
one side's wrong, one side's right, maybe because both sides are wrong. Or maybe because both sides are right and neither one wants to give. You know, I mean, there's so many different situations that can happen. And looking back, yeah, I would do some, some things differently. And I'm sure that others might might as well. And just looking back on it, but I mean, you have these troubles in, in churches and you, you want to get along, you want things to work out, but they don't always work out. And what you can do in that is you learn your lesson, you move on, and you, you, you get better. You get better, you learn a lesson from those things, and that's something I, I certainly have learned over these last you know, many years. And then struggles with mental health. I've, I've talked about that. Um, you know, all the, a lot of things seem to happen uh, all at once in, in one of these years. And I had intense anxiety, uh, panic attacks, all kinds of things going on. Uh, and so a lot of rough stuff. And so 15 years has not been smooth sailing. And when you, when you put away the drug, then you got to live life. And life carries with it its own set of challenges. But there's been a lot of good, too. So much good. And, and many of you who, who may be listening, uh, you've been a part of that. And through your encouragement, the words you've said, uh, in passing that you may not even remember. And, and things that have been... Uh, just mentioned to me or things that have been written to me and, and, and other things that you've, you've helped tremendously. Uh, I'll have a lot of good friendships with a lot of you, and I'm so thankful for that. And it is because of my sobriety, and I firmly believe this, it's because of my sobriety that I have the family I have right now, that I have the tremendous wife that I have now, that I waited 30 years for and found her. And I would not have her in my life had it not been for me and my hardships coming through those and my sobriety. I would not have my two beautiful kids without my sobriety. I firmly believe that. And it is because of these struggles that I've been through that I have been able to become the man that I am today. And I don't say that as a point of pride. I have a lot of work to do. But it is a fact that I would not be who I am having learned the lessons that I've learned through these years uh, without the struggles. And so, as Paul talks about, uh, I've, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Uh, in everything, I have learned to be content. And certainly through these years, I have learned to be content. And I have dealt with a lot of self-imposed trials. And I've dealt with a lot of things that, you know, when I look at it, it's like, ah, I didn't, maybe I didn't merit that. But then again, I've been on the other side of that too. I've been, I've been the bully. I've been the guy who thought he was always right and beat people over the head with it. And so I haven't always been the person I need to be. And we all struggle with things. And, and so we, we learn from those, we pick up, we move on, and we get better. And that's the point. Through these last 15 years, that is one of the 
biggest lessons that I've learned is that when there are struggles, when there are trials, when there are things that are in our way that are in our lives that we are meeting resistance with or that we just need to get right. Don't waste time. Get it right. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't think that somehow you're just, you know, people are going to just get better without you doing anything from your end. Do what we can with the time we have. This is the only life we have. So live it, taking the next right step. Live it doing the things that are pleasing to God. And live it with a clear mind, clear heart, clear head. And be the best person you can be. Let me tell you, you won't regret it. People may treat you bad. They may be unjust. They may be just awful to you when you decide to do it. But you know what? It's okay. It really is. It's okay. Because you can pillow your head at night knowing that you did everything you could. And you can pillow your head at night knowing I'm sober, I'm clean, and I have nothing to hide. Those are thoughts on 15 years of sobriety. There's so much more to say, but uh, this episode's getting a little long. So I'm going to stop here. If there are any of you who are struggling, I would love if you would reach out that we can, I can pray for you. And that if you have any questions that I can, you know, I can help you with, I would love to, to do that. I am not a licensed counselor. I am not somebody who has any kind of credits or, or, or degrees or anything like that in this. I just have my experiences. But with those experiences, I have learned a lot. And the Lord has comforted me in allowing me to come through what I've come through. And I would love to return the favor and comfort others with uh, the same comfort that God's given me. And so if I can do that, please reach out. Matt at SoberLeadership.com. Matt with two T's at SoberLeadership.com. And as always, please share the podcast. Please let others know about it. And if they can benefit from it, please, please let them know. And it has been an amazing 15 years. And if we are not living our lives in gratitude of and celebrating the victories and that's something else i want to emphasize celebrate your victories you made it a month celebrate it you made it a year two years 10 years 15 20 30 celebrate it and let your family enjoy that with you and we're going to be doing that uh, and that's something that i'm looking forward to because without my sobriety I would not have the family I have today. I would not be the man I am today. And I'm forever, eternally grateful to God that he gave me time to get it right. As long as there is time, there is hope. You are worth saving. You are a beautiful creation of God. You are worthy and you are special, and you are loved. Don't forget that. Till next time, keep taking the next right step. Be well, friends.